everybody. We're back. We are back. We have a gift for you today. It is not us, though you will be hearing from us soon. Yes. Our Calls for Calls episode that we are working on, by which I mean Carson has been working on for the past four weeks, while I took a vacation and did not think about podcasts or trauma. Ah, uh, so nice. I just read books. It's great. It but was the, incredible. The Calls for Calls is coming out soon. Oh, and I can't wait to hear all your voices and whatever Carson puts together because I have really missed you all. In the meantime... Family Ghosts, hosted by Sam Dingman, premieres this Wednesday, December 4th. We work really closely with Sam Dingman. Um, and while you were on vacation, I actually stepped in and gave him some notes on his storytelling. I've been so impressed with Sam and his ability to craft these episodes. Yeah, he's masterful at it. He's so compassionate. So today we're sharing with you 15 minutes of the premiere episode that's dropping on Wednesday. This is the first of a trilogy of episodes that's about the Clotilda, which is the last slave ship to enter the U.S., which did so illegally after slavery had already been abolished. It is devastating to hear about a side of American history that we know is still haunting people to this day. And like isn't in most history books. It's incredible. And this trilogy allows these descendants to speak up, to tell their stories and sort of reclaim this narrative around around this thing that has haunted them. It's really, really special. So this is the first 15 minutes of episode one, a sneak peek, a free gift. We hope you'll subscribe to Family Ghosts and check out season three dropping this Wednesday. Hi everyone, Sam here. Before we begin, a quick warning. This story contains upsetting depictions of the inhumane history of slavery in the United States. And additionally, while we've worked diligently to avoid them, I would like to formally acknowledge the potential for blind spots in our work. I'm a white person, and Vera, who did the principal reporting for this story, is white and Latinx. While we worked with a diverse team of collaborators on this project, I know this history is impossible to fully comprehend for those of us whose families do not bear the direct impact of the evils of slavery. We would never presume to offer a definitive narrative about slavery, but we've done our best to present this particular story of the families affected by slavery's legacy with deep gratitude that they wanted to share it with us. We are grateful for the opportunity and hope that our work can contribute to the ongoing project of reckoning with the hideous ghost that haunts the entire American family. Spoke Media. Hello, Ghost Family. Welcome to Family Ghosts. This is our little neighborhood, and we're trying to preserve it so the history can be passed down to our other generations that's coming along who don't really know. That's the voice of Lorna Woods. Lorna's in her 70s, and she lives in a neighborhood in Mobile, Alabama, called Africatown. Africatown was established by formerly enslaved people after the Civil War, and has been fighting for survival virtually ever since. Lorna is a family historian, and she also runs a community history museum in Africatown called The Den. This past summer, our producer, Vera Carruthers, paid Lorna a visit. The den is windowless and quiet. Low circular tables create the air of a banquet hall set up in a school gymnasium. Africatown memorabilia overflows from tables and onto the bright white cinder block walls. 
A hand-drawn family tree, hand-sewn quilts, cutouts from newspapers advertising Negroes for sale, a copy of a KKK poster warning Black people not to vote, and collages of prominent Black Americans. One section is devoted entirely to images of Obama. Lorna moves slowly between the displays. This whole place is her baby. For decades now, she's lovingly clipped and pasted collages, scoured yard sales for artifacts, and given tours for visitors to the den. They'll be able to put their hands and touch a part of the history that was made right here on with people's hands and hard works. That's important to Lorna, because outside of Africatown, the history of her community has been overlooked for generations. The story of Africatown begins with a crime. According to local legend, one night in 1860, a wealthy businessman and steamboat captain was at a bar in Mobile, drinking with his wealthy businessman friends. This man's name was Timothy Mayer. And on this particular night, he was bragging about this scheme he'd cooked up. It was still a few years before the Civil War, but the laws governing the slave trade in the U.S. were already starting to change. Owning slaves was still allowed, but at this point it had been illegal to import new slaves for about 50 years. But Timothy Mayer didn't care. In the years leading up to the Civil War, tensions were high in the South. Businessmen like Timothy were getting nervous about the abolitionist fervor in the North. And Mayer was a staunch anti-federalist. He wanted to stick it to the government. So that night in the bar, he came up with this plan to smuggle slaves into Alabama. Timothy enlisted his friend, William Foster, as a co-conspirator. Foster was a ship captain who had built a schooner called the Clotilda. Logging was a huge industry in those days. And so Foster and Mayer piled the Clotilda high with lumber to disguise the purpose of their trip. And they built human-sized slats in the hold of the ship, where they planned to hide the enslaved people. Captain Foster sailed the Clotilda out around Cuba and headed across the Atlantic. When he reached the west coast of Africa, Foster purchased more than 100 enslaved people from the King of Dahomey, which is now Benin. Foster loaded them into the Clotilda and set sail back to Alabama. As he approached the Mobile Bay, Foster feared that government officials might be laying in wait. So he sailed the Clotilda north of Mobile to Chickasaw Creek. There, at Timothy's command, he ordered everyone off the boat and set it on fire to destroy the evidence. The Clotilda sank, and the passengers were forced to hide in the swamp for several weeks, desperate and confused. Once the legal heat died down, Timothy Mayer returned to the swamp and claimed them as his property. The survivors were split up. Some were discreetly sold to Mayer's local acquaintances, some were sent as far away as St. Louis and Selma, and a third of them stayed in Mobile, where they were enslaved by Mayer himself. Mayer and Foster were never prosecuted for any of this. Mayer was arrested but released after paying some minor fines. Federal authorities tried to prosecute Captain Foster, but by the time the trial rolled around, Alabama had seceded from the Union. So they got away with it. Then the Civil War happened, and after emancipation, the freed slaves from the Clotilda founded their own community, which they called Africatown, 
where many of their descendants still live today. The history of the Clotilda has long been tacitly acknowledged in Mobile, but it's rarely discussed outside Africatown. For a long time, Africatown residents were aggressively silenced by the white community in Mobile when they tried to tell their family stories. People would threaten to burn down their homes. Even now, many people in the white community would prefer to, as they put it, let sleeping dogs lie. The descendants of Timothy Mayer still own much of the land in Africatown, and to this day they have never publicly acknowledged their family's responsibility for smuggling the last known ship of enslaved people into the United States. And so, the story has been kept alive for generations by people like Lorna Woods. But this is more than just the history of Lorna's community. It's also her family's story. For Timothy Mayer, the Clotilda voyage was a prank. But for Lorna's great-great-grandfather and the other enslaved people trapped in the hold of the ship, it was a nightmare. Not to be able to go to the bathroom when you want to go to the bathroom. Not to have water when you want, needed a drink. Not to have on proper clothes to secure your body. To Lorna and her fellow descendants, the Mayer family's ongoing silence is personal. Maybe one day they conscious won't let them go to sleep and they'll wake up one morning and say, I'm going to call the newspaper and tell them that we sorry for what happened to those Africans that came on the Clotilde. From Spoke Media and WALT, you're listening to Family Ghosts. Today we begin our third season with a three-part series about the Clotilda, a ghost that haunts many families in Africatown the ones who refuse to acknowledge it ever happened, and the ones who won't let them forget that it did. This is part one, The Descendants. We'll be right back. When the enslaved people who were brought to Mobile on the Clotilda were emancipated after the Civil War, they banded together to forge their own community. One of their leaders was a man named Cudjo Lewis. This is Uncle Curjo. Everybody say I look like Uncle Curjo. That's my uncle, my, my great-great-granddaddy's brother. Last summer, Lorna Woods shared the story of Cudjo and his fellow survivors with our producer, Vera. Lorna's lived in Africatown her entire life. She grew up not far from the den, in a four-room tin-top house with no running water. That little house with the small yard and the small backyard. We played on the back and on the front. But this little house had so many memories in it. Lorna has done more than anyone in Africatown to keep the Clotilda story alive over the years. She started learning her family's history when she was a child. Her grandmother would tell her stories. She read to Lorna from a book called Historic Sketches of the South by Emma Langdon Roach. Roach collected oral histories with Clotilda descendants in the 1910s. When it was finally published, Roach gave everyone she interviewed a copy of her book. Some members of Lorna's family still have their copies. 
But not all the ancestors talked about the history. My grandmama used to say they kept a lot of stuff under their hat. Everybody didn't want to hear about that story, and they didn't want, probably told them that you better not tell anybody. Before Africatown was even founded, Kudjo Lewis and the other survivors had a different plan. They wanted to go home. They approached Timothy Mayer and asked for passage back to Africa. But Mayer refused. He offered only to sell them land, which they would need to pay off with years of labor. So they took the deal. They bought the land and founded a community they called Africatown. They built their own school and a church that faced east, towards Africa. They gave it their all. They sacrificed. They did whatever it took to keep their families together. Later, when the founders of Africatown tried to vote in the first election after the Civil War, Timothy Mayer showed up on his horse to block their path. They went to a second site and he blocked them again, telling the officials that they weren't citizens of the U.S. They went to a third site, the furthest they could get to, where they were informed they had to pay a dollar each to vote, the equivalent of 12 hours worth of work. They cast their ballots anyway. They might have endured more than we think, but they made it. And I'm a living testimony that where there's a will, there's a way. And that will was that we were going to make ourselves a home. Preserving her family's history has become Lorna's purpose in life. She says her ancestors' sacrifices are worth it six generations later because it's finally safe to talk about the story. And I do believe they did the best they can, because I feel now I'm sitting and talking to you. I never knew you, you never knew me, but we're able to talk about this in a language that I don't have to be afraid of nobody coming through the door and saying, y'all stop talking about that history as you're gonna be killed or burned out of home. Still, Lorna told me, even if it's easier to tell the story now, nothing can erase the horror of what her ancestors experienced. What they endured coming across there, that was inhumane. Meanwhile, for the last 160 years, it seemed like the rest of Alabama was happy to avoid acknowledging this particular chapter in its history. Africatown, a truly remarkable American success story, is just two miles from downtown Mobile. But it isn't exactly a highlight of the tourist brochures. And because Timothy Mayer and Captain Foster burned and sank the Clotilda after the voyage, people who want to deny the shameful history of the Clotilda have always had a way to deny it actually happened. The descendants of the enslaved people who survived the voyage have tried to keep their story alive ever since— but they've been missing that critical piece of evidence. Until a few years ago, when a journalist named Ben Rains got a call from a friend. And he said, well, I got one for you. I said, all right, what is it? He said, why don't you look for the Clotilda? And I said, that's a great idea. People had looked for the ship before, but no one had ever found it. And that was convenient for the old moneyed set, many of whom called it an old wives' tale. And when Ben started digging, they got upset. People would call him or come up to him on the street. There was a lot of, you should let sleeping dogs lie, you should quit looking for that ship. There was a lot of that kind of sentiment. You're just stirring people up. Ben's year-long search was filled with false starts and misinformation, but he had constant encouragement from the community in Africatown. Then, in 2018, 
Ben was searching the Mobile Bay, and he spotted a log pile. When he got closer, he saw a piece of lumber with square nails in it, which he knew was common in 19th century boats. He'd finally found a clue. A team of marine archaeologists spent a year examining Ben's findings and verified the origins of the wood. After 160 years, the Clotilda went from local legend to front page news. Now to a truly historic discovery in southern Alabama, where the last known slave ship to arrive in the United States has been found. Today, a historic moment for the Africatown community, nearly 160 years after the Clotilda sank. The wreckage of the boat was found in Alabama's Mobile River. The schooner Clotilda brought 110 Africans to U.S. shores in 1860. After the captives were brought ashore, the ship was burned, the evidence destroyed, and ever since, people have tried to find find it. After generations of silence, the world is discovering a history that Lorna and her fellow descendants' families have carried their entire lives. And for Lorna's cousin, Joycelyn, the discovery of the Clotilda changes everything. It's, it's our time. It's our, it's our turn. Family Ghosts will continue in a moment. 